0: Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Big day today. Today is Closing Arguments Day. Today is when the defense and the prosecution will both deliver their closing arguments to the jury in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. This is a trial that has been over a year in the making, one that we reported very early on, never should have even happened. It's been pretty clear that Kyle Rittenhouse is innocent, that he acted in self-defense, and yet here we are. With a jury of his peers now getting to decide whether or not he should go away to prison for the rest of his life. So we're going to be talking about that today. And right now, the judge is, I believe, reading the jury instructions to the jury. So, or he's, he's reading them out loud. So it's not exactly exciting stuff. But there was some... There was a hearing earlier this morning that I was watching before we went to air where the defense and the prosecution were arguing over what language should be included in the jury instructions. And it was very interesting. The defense brought up a very good point that every single charge should have included in it that self-defense is a, is a reasonable excuse. The, the judge seemed to want to streamline it. But when someone's life is on the line here, life in prison is on the line, you shouldn't cut corners. You shouldn't streamline anything. <clears throat> there was also a moment where the prosecution still tried to go back to their upscaling. The defense was was asking the judge to read to the jury instructions that would have them basically disregard the evidence that the prosecution had put forward. The fuzzy, blurred image of Kyle Rittenhouse, which I said last week, more closely resembled the Loch Ness Monster than anything else. The prosecution still was arguing that, no, there's no big deal if you upscale it. Upscaling images, as we've said on the podcast the last couple of days. That's when you take really blurry footage and you try and refine it, enhance it. It doesn't usually work the way it works in television shows where you see someone at a computer mashing buttons and saying enhance, enhance. So when you take really blurry footage and you try and put it on a 4K television, it's going to look really, really bad because, well, it's, it's, it's really blurry footage. So what upscaling technology will do, as I mentioned, don't want to spend a, a ton of time on this, but upscaling technology will try and make assumptions, educated guesses about what the image actually looked like. So when prosecution shows an upscaled image to the jury. It is not what was taken it is not what actually happened on the scene. It is not the photo that was photographed with the camera or, or video camera. It is an image that artificial intelligence has presumed to be accurate. So just, just think about that. We live in a world where the prosecution is trying to introduce evidence. that is not what was actually captured at the scene, but what a computer program has deduced actually happened no people shouldn't go to prison because of what some proprietary algorithm determines happened and should just be cut and dry either it happened or it didn't either you have a photograph or video or didn't but they're arguing over that today and it sounds like it was hard to hear as we were getting ready it sounds like uh, charge six has been dropped i believe that was the gun charge they were going over whether or not the ar-15 was a short bowed rifle or short bowed shotgun and they're about to measure the barrel obviously A rifle would need to be 16 inches. A a shotgun would need to be 18 inches. Um, They were about to measure it, and the prosecution basically said, no bother, we know it's not a short-bowed rifle or shotgun. And then the judge dismissed count six. So already off to a good start. The flip side, though, is that on Friday, the prosecution and the defense settled and agreed to have lesser charges being read to the jury. Lesser charges meaning instead of first-degree murder, it would be second-degree murder, right? So that is obviously a vulnerability for Kyle Rittenhouse that the jury will now read charges that were not originally introduced when the trial began. Now, that's kind of an admission from the prosecution that they failed to meet the burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. They have not been able to convince. They, do not, they think they might not have been able to convince the jury of that. So they're bringing lesser charges and the defense, um, for whatever reason, agreed to it. Now, the, I guess the argument is let's just get out all the way. Let's just make sure he's innocent. Um, I would have probably pushed back a little bit more but this tends to happen so we're we're close we are close to the um the closing arguments for the jury why don't we go in and listen in real quick just to see what's going on I, th- I think they're they're reading the instructions miss let, let's listen in and it's silence <laughs> all right let's cut back Let's cut back. <laughs> the one time that I actually decided to tune in, it's completely silent. Uh, the judge is reading through papers. Um, and Miss Brewster, when we go back, how about we, we set up so that I can be on top of it. Um, that would be, that'd be really great. So yeah, the judge is giving instructions to the jury. Make no mistake, people. The second amendment is on trial here. The right to self-defense is on trial. If Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty, then there is no such thing as the right to self-defense in the state of Wisconsin, probably in the country. If you're allowing the media, if you're allowing the media to just declare that someone is guilty and that just translate to trial. I was reading, I'm going to see if I can pull it up. There was a, a story over the weekend of a billionaire who tweeted out that Kyle Rittenhouse was innocent and that the media never should have, he never should have allowed the media to convince him that he wasn't. And the media went up to him and asked him if he had been hacked. (laughs) True story. True story. Bill Ackman. Bill Ackman, the headline, surprised his followers. (laughs) So, um, Mr. Producer, I set up my screen. Give me one second. Uh, It's pretty funny that you have a liberal saying, hey, the media should have been honest. We should have all known that uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse was innocent. And the minute he posts about that. He proclaims that uh, (laughs) they say you must have been hacked. Why don't we go ahead and put up my screen, Mr. Producer? So this is Bill Ackman. He says, last night, Neary, I guess that's his wife, and I watched several hours of Kyle Rittenhouse's direct testimony and cross-examination. We came away believing that Kyle is telling the truth and that he acted in self-defense. We found him to be a civic-minded patriot with a history of helping his community as an EMT and fireman in training in his removing of hate graffiti earlier in the day from a local school and ultimately volunteering to protect a business during the night of August 25th in Kenosha. Our firsthand impressions of Kyle were materially different from those that had previously formed based on media reports and opinion pieces that we had consumed. I have always been frustrated to read an inaccurate press report about a subject I know well, yet somehow I continue to believe other articles in the same newspaper about subjects I know less well. Media and political bias are dividing our country and destroying lives. While we have not heard the entire trial, based on our assessment of Kyle on the stand, we believe that he will be found innocent by the jury. Oftentimes, communities react negatively and even violently after a jury verdict where they are surprised by the outcome based on what they have previously read in the newspaper, seen on TV, or more likely been served on social media. I encourage you to watch the trial or at a minimum his testimony and cross-examination before you form a view of his guilt or innocence. With respect to my own political bias, I'm not a gun owner, not a member of the NRA. On balance, I support stronger gun regulations and removing loopholes. Uh, in the sale of guns. Unfortunately, it seems that society's view of Kyle's innocence depends more on one's views about gun control rather than what actually took place last August. Kyle Rittenhouse's life is at risk. Justice demands a fair trial. Society would benefit greatly if politics did not enter the courtroom and convict innocent people. So that was his whole thread. And then he responds to that and says, just got a call from the media asking if my Twitter account was hacked. That is, the reporter couldn't conceive of the idea that I could believe that Kyle is innocent because I'm not a right winger. Crazy. So we saw in real time that bias was confirmed, right? He steps, as Joe would say, he steps off of the Democrat plantation, right? He steps off of the Democrat plantation. As soon as he does, the media questions whether he's been hacked, because surely he couldn't have come to that conclusion on his own. No reasonable person would come to that conclusion. I I found that pretty comical, pretty comical all things considered. So why don't, we, why don't we go take this down and Mr. Producer, let's go back to um, the closing arguments and listening in a little bit. There's, there's some audio now.
1: In determining whether the defendant's beliefs were reasonable, the standard is what a person of ordinary intelligence and prudence would have believed in the defendant's position under the circumstances existing at the time of the alleged okay, offense. Okay, so he's reading the jury reasonable- instructions. Reasonableness of the defendant's beliefs must be determined from the standpoint and he's talking of the about of the of the state of the state of the state of the state
0: of the state of the podcast. He's the his phone. we can go the and take this down. <laughs> so the he's talking the is the reasonableness the, what the have talked the here on the podcast of the state 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 didn't state of the 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 the table. The jury has not been presented any evidence that Kyle Rittenhouse did not actually fear for his life. The only way for the prosecution to actually convict him now would be to convince the jury that it was not reasonable for Kyle Rittenhouse to fear for his life, that he had no legitimate reasonable fear that he was going to be killed. Meaning that he, when he was chased by a pedophile, a convicted child abuser, he didn't know that obviously, but he was being chased by this child abuser. He had no legitimate fear for his life. When he turned around and saw that man lunging at him, that's that's the prosecution's argument that when he was knocked on the ground, he had no legitimate fear for his life or for serious bodily injury. That's the part that we don't talk about as much. The statute doesn't just require that Kyle Rittenhouse have feared for his life. It just requires that he fear serious bodily injury. And so when you have that one man who I am shocked has not been identified yet, they're calling him jump kicking man, jump kick man. When you see a man jump and kick Kyle Rittenhouse in the face, that is statutorily the definition of serious bodily injury. You cannot be kicked in the face and it not count as a serious bodily injury. People are killed with much less force. So was it unreasonable for Kyle Rittenhouse to fear serious bodily injury when he is being kicked in the face? I don't think the prosecution met that. When you see Huber run over with a skateboard and bash it into Kyle Rittenhouse's neck, again, people have been seriously injured with much less. Was it reasonable? I think it was reasonable for a 17-year-old on the ground being bashed in the neck with a skateboard to fear serious bodily injury. Prosecution did not not prove otherwise. And lastly, when Gage Grosskreutz runs up to Kyle Rittenhouse, pretends to surrender, and then lunges back at him, pointing a gun at his head, was it reasonable for Kyle Rittenhouse with a gun pointed at his head to fear for his life or to fear that he was going to be seriously injured? Obviously, yes. And it was very interesting watching Gage Groschkreutz on um Good I think it was on Good Morning America, just completely recanting his testimony. Because you remember he was asked by the defense, basically the defense led him with the question and said, You he you were only shot after you put your hand down and pointed the gun at the defendant's head. And he said, yes. So Gage Grosskreutz was on Good Morning America just telling the exact opposite story. Telling the exact opposite story. said <laughs> that, oh no, I, it's not actually true. He actually said that he was shot when he had his hands up, which is just not true. Now, the reason he couldn't say that under oath is because he would have been charged with, with perjury and held in contempt. But he's out on the the, the TV circuit just completely recanting and this is something this is something that we see from Bill Ackman's tweets that's that's a legitimate concern when the left is consuming incorrect what what they would call misinformation, they are going to be caught off guard when Kyle Rittenhouse is acquitted. I believe he will be acquitted. I truly do. I also do though in in the back of my mind, think it's very hard for a jury not to have already not to have already kind of had an assumption about him, especially because they're pulling the jury from the Kenosha area. I mean, it's hard to find anyone in the country. who doesn't know who Kyle Rittenhouse is. I can't imagine it'd be easy to find someone in Kenosha, but the misinformation was, was real. It was widespread. I, I was, I was talking um, with some people at the uh, reawaken America tour event in San Antonio last week. And I was uh, talking to Kevin Jenkins and I told him I was surprised Shocked actually that there were people until just last week who believed that Kyle Rittenhouse had killed a bunch of black people. Because that's how the media presented it. The media presented it and said that Kyle Rittenhouse, a white supremacist, shot up Black Lives Matter protesters. That's the the story that leftists have been fed and have started believing. It's just not true. No, nothing about it is true. So you see that over the weekend they've called, they put the National Guard in Wisconsin on standby. They put them on standby to prepare for riots. You've heard, we've heard leftist reactionaries, revolutionaries, whatever you want to call them, promising that there will be riots, the likes of which we've never seen if Kyle Rittenhouse is not convicted. Again, that's, that's a form of jury tampering if they expect the jury to see that. They're mobilizing the National Guard because the people who would be doing the rioting are so woefully misinformed. They don't actually know what they're talking about. Like they're gonna they're gonna burn down the city if Kyle Rittenhouse is acquitted because they think he shot up a bunch of black people, or they think that he was a mass shooter. I mean, to this day, Facebook will still punish you, suspend you if you post on their on their platform, if you post on their platform that Kyle Rittenhouse did nothing wrong. And Mr. Pierce said the judge is talking. Yeah, the judge is reading the jury instructions. There's 36 pages of jury instructions. We can listen to them. I prefer not to. It's kind of verbose, kind of boring legalese. Um basically explain to them what it means to find someone guilty, what it means um what it means to what reasonable doubt means, what beyond a reasonable doubt means. Defining self-defense. He's going through all this. I don't think it's as as important that we we jump in on this. I thought that the closing arguments would have started sooner. Um, I thought he would have read this after the closing arguments, but I guess he's reading them before them. So we're we <laughs> if they actually do acquit him, which I hope that they they do, and I I think that they will. I think I think that they will. Oh, one, one last bit. But Bef- we it might not even go to the jury. Or it might not even, the jury might not even be able to return a verdict because the defense this morning notified the judge that they had submitted in writing their motion for dismissal with prejudice. That was submitted this morning. Obviously, not enough time for the judge to rule on it, but that was submitted this morning. So there is still a possibility that the judge dismisses everything before the jury can come back. There is also the possibility that if if the jury was to rule that Rittenhouse was guilty on all counts, that the judge could step in and say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What are you talking about? No reasonable jury could have possibly could have possibly concluded that based on the evidence presented." And then he could, in turn, rule from the bench and overrule them. Those are still possibilities, but it's probably it's probably going go to go the jury today. I can't imagine that he will rule on that motion before the jury gets it. So it'll be. Oh, it'll be closing argument, closing argument. They'll go to the jury. I can't imagine that he'll rule on that motion today. He might rule on it tomorrow morning if he has a chance to listen and read it. But this is going to the jury. And we've seen already, we've seen already that there were attempts to intimidate the jury. So we didn't talk about a whole lot on this podcast, but one of the days of the trial, there were people taking video of jurors waiting for the bus. So these were the jurors waiting for the bus to be taken to the courthouse, and someone was sitting there with a phone or a video camera, or whatever, recording their faces. Remember that—that's something that we we played that video was being threatened. That oh, we got we got people with cameras in there getting their faces. That's something that the left was threatening, and which which gives credence to the argument that it is jury intimidation. Because it's one thing to say I'm saying something out loud I have no expectation of the jury ever ever hearing it. It's another thing to take that threat and and to turn it into action but the jury is obviously under tremendous pressure they're going into this knowing about Kyle Rittenhouse, knowing about the shooting they understand whether they've been following, they shouldn't be following the news they're explicitly instructed not to watch the news but they still, we live in a country where you know what's going to happen if you acquit this kid you know that there's going to be riots. That there are going to be pain, suffering, not just in Kenosha, but around the country. So the jury is under an unreasonable amount of pressure. And that is the main fear I have. The main fear I have is that the jury, under that pressure, will not do their duty, will not find him innocent, and will instead convict for fear of what would happen if they didn't. And that was something that, that was something that Fox News disgustingly aired um, after after the George Floyd case. I forget which commentator it might have been. Greg Gutfeld, who was saying that he was glad that he was glad. Uh, I don't. I don't want to. It was someone on the Five said that they were glad that the police officer was convicted because otherwise there would have been riots. We can't live in a country like that. We just can't. We can't live in a country where you are guilty in the media and therefore you are guilty. In real life, we, we can't live like that. But that's what the left wants. That's what the left expects. If you're just tuning in now, the judge is reading the jury instructions to the jury. He's laying out all the different charges. It's kind of boring, but l- why don't we go and listen to a little bit of it, Mr. Producer? This podcast is sponsored by AirMedCare Network, the premier insurance plan to cover you and your household should any of you suffer a medical emergency and need to be airlifted to a hospital. We don't get to choose when a disaster strikes. You don't get to choose how you get taken to the hospital. Anyone who has been taken to a hospital or has a loved one who's gone to a hospital by ambulance, you know it's very expensive and you know insurance won't usually cover it. Well, when you have to be airlifted by a helicopter, it's much more expensive and yeah, insurance won't cover that either. AirMedCare Network exists to make sure you don't risk bankruptcy. In the event that someone in your house has to be airlifted to a hospital for medical treatment. So when you sign up at the link in our description, airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily, not only are they going to give you coverage for your entire household for one year for $85, but they're also going to give you money back up to 50 bucks, depending on how many years you sign up for. So again, that's airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 back. Can we tune in? Can we put it up? No, not not my screen, the, the YouTube video.
1: Or do the not live reasonably, reasonably yeah. believe that the force used was necessary to prevent imminent death or great bodily harm to himself. You have already been, already been instructed on the definitions of causing death and with intent to kill. These same definitions apply to your consideration of second-degree intentional homicide. The third element of second degree intentional homicide requires that the defendant did not reasonably believe that he was preventing or terminating an unlawful interference with his own person or did not reasonably believe that the force which was used was necessary to prevent imminent death or great bodily This requires that the state
0: so approved, uh, let's take it down. So, yeah, it, first. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're still doing this. That it's, it's, just, a little, it's a little boring. So I don't want to keep it up too long. I was hoping that they would have already gotten to um closing arguments. When they do closing arguments, uh, we're gonna we're gonna stream that. So it'll probably be after this morning episode, but we will we will go ahead and stream that. Just coming out, I, I can't believe I hadn't seen this before. If we go to my screen, Mr. Producer, this is Gage Grosskreutz. Last year. Um last October, a DUI he was pulled over for a DUI. He had a point two one two blood alcohol content and he was driving. Obviously, this bears no, this this has no bearing to Kyle Brittany House's case. It wouldn't be admissible. What someone does after, it really doesn't matter to the actual points of it, but you can see that this man, this is the man that Kyle disarmed. I mean I, <laughs> I, I I, call it Schrodinger's gun because Gage Grosskreutz was both armed and unarmed at the same time. Kind of a, a thought experiment. Yes, he was armed. He had a gun, but he had no working arm because Kyle had shot it. Schrodinger's gun. So, yeah, this is, this is footage of him getting pulled over for a DUI. So, let's go ahead and take that down. Mama Cougar says she really wants to listen to what the judge is saying, so why don't we go back to it? it it's going to be boring. He has thirty-two pages of jury instructions, just reading to the jury what the crimes are and what they mean. But We can go. We can. We can listen to a, a couple minutes of this. Let's go, let's go back to it, Mr. Producer.
1: Finding the criminal code, which is also a lesser included offense of first-degree intentional homicide. Again, you should make every reasonable effort to agree unanimously on the charge of second degree intentional homicide before considering the offense of first degree reckless homicide. However, if after a full and complete consideration of the evidence, you conclude that further deliberation would not result in unanimous agreement on the charge of second degree intentional homicide, you should consider whether the defendant is guilty of first degree reckless homicide, which is a crime committed by one who recklessly causes the death of another human being under circumstances which show utter disregard for human life before the de- the defendant may be found guilty of reckless homicide of the first degree <coughs> the state must prove by evidence which satisfies you beyond a reasonable doubt that the following three elements were present first that the defendant caused the death of another human being cause means that the defendants act was a substantial factor in producing the death Second, that the defendant caused the death by criminally reckless conduct, which means the conduct created a risk of death or great bodily harm to another person, and the risk of death or great bodily harm was unreasonable and substantial, and the defendant was aware that his conduct created the unreasonable and substantial risk of death or great bodily harm. So, so these you instructions also, you should consider the evidence relating to are by to and large pulled
0: from in standard jury the instructions. Defendants.
1: Conduct created the unreasonable There was some
0: back and body. forth earlier between the defense if and the prosecution, the was arguing changes, and some changes were made. But by and large, these are just boilerplate an unreasonable risk descriptions.
1: The burden is on the state to establish, beyond a reasonable doubt, that the defendant did not act lawfully in self defense. And you must be satisfied beyond a reasonable doubt from all. Mr. Minister, why don't we turn it down just a case, smidgen so
0: that I can that talk over it and explain it just a little bit. Um, the third
1: element is that the circumstances of the defendant's conduct go. showed utter disregard for human life. Again, in terms
0: of So he's is instructing of the, the jury of what. And, and this, of is this is the fear. This is the fear that you have. You the fear you consent. have. So the defense was the asking was for him to include self-defense in each charge. Explain what self-defense is. The fear you have is, I'm really into this, I'm really excited about this, I am I want to pay attention, but even I'm getting a little bored. <laughs> so the jury, they're not supermen, they're not superheroes, they are just as easily distracted as everyone else.
1: So the, the, the,
0: the fear here is when you have 32 to 36, depending on, I, I heard 36, some people said 32. When you have 32 pages of jury instructions and he's just reading it off, you run the risk of the jury... And zoning out.
1: Satisfied beyond a reasonable doubt from all now the I'm
0: not. I, I imagine they're going to get this the in writing. The um, this, usually, this is usually it's usually not that usually not that controversial to give them the jury the instructions death, in writing. So but still, there you run the risk of them zoning out defendant's during conduct
1: this. After the death, to the extent that it helps you decide whether or not the circumstances showed utter disregard for human life at the time that the death occurred. If as to the fourth count you were satisfied beyond a reasonable doubt. That the defendant caused the death of another human being by criminally reckless conduct and that the circumstances of the conduct showed utter disregard for human life and that the defendant's conduct was not privileged under the law of self-defense then you should find the defendant guilty yeah. of reckless homicide of the first degree As so he's just going to read this out so i think he's only that on that like charged the two, two or three on the so why
0: don't, why don't we take this down he's gonna but keep, keep reading this if, if you're really interested in jury instructions you can listen to that. I'm getting a little bored, and I yeah, – <laughs> just, to, just to show you. Laurie says, deliberation will take days unless they all just agree that he's innocent right off the get-go. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. Usually usually you don't want a very fast verdict because chances are there's at least one or two people who think he probably is, is guilty, right? You don't want to go to the jury and then immediately come back with a verdict. That's usually a bad sign. Now, there's times where a jury could very quickly um, rule that he's not guilty. That's happened. But more often than not, a fast jury verdict is a bad sign because uh, it just is. So this is probably going to take a couple days. I don't anticipate this will take too long. And the longer it takes, the better, in my mind, the better the odds for, for Rittenhouse, the longer it takes. Also, as I mentioned earlier, there is a uh, there is a, a motion before the judge that was submitted this morning, put on his desk this morning for a mistrial with prejudice. So the longer this goes on, the more he's able to think about that motion. It, it gets a little bit better in my mind, but it's probably going to take a couple of days. Now, this is where I think we should be happy that the it went to the jury on a Monday instead of on a Saturday. They were talking about working on Saturday and sending it to the jury on Saturday. The jury, as I said, they're regular people, just like you and me. They don't want to work on weekends. They don't want to work on Saturdays. So you don't want to give it to the jury right before a weekend because they're going to be delivering over the weekend or, I mean, and it's just going to be, they're, they're going to feel like it's a waste of their time. So giving it to them on a Monday tends to be a better Uh, route to take especially for the defendant that way they're not just trying to find him guilty just to get out of it Um, the other thing is that we are coming up closer on thanksgiving so (laughs) is this jury going to want to go into thanksgiving week with this trial probably not that's the other thing that's going to be in the back of their minds are they going to want to continue deliberating into thanksgiving week again i say probably not so those are going to be two things to look for, just the different things the psychology that could be in the jury's head as they're making these decisions and deliberating. Going to step back real quick and remind you, this podcast is brought to you by MyPillow. Our friends at MyPillow, Mike Lindell, they need our help. They need you to help support them. So when you head over to MyPillow and you use promo code CD21, Charlie CharlieDelta21, they're going to give you up to 66% back using that promo code. It's the best promo code available on the site, so please use it. Full disclosure, not only will you be supporting Mike Lindell, not only will you be supporting MyPillow and their American workers, but when you do use promo code CD21, we do get a small commission as well. So Help us grow the show, help us build out new shows and go to MyPillow and use promo code CD21 when you purchase your pillows, your blankets, everything. I mean, it's not just pillows, people. <laughs> I mean, the pillows are great. I'm I'm in a I'm in a lengthy battle with my wife over who gets the MyPillow. You see, we got them at Costco, and and uh, she decided to get the low fill, the, the kind of soft fill. I went for more of the uh, the firm pillow. She hates her pillow, loves mine. So she won't return it. <laughs> she won't get another one. She just steals mine. So don't, <laughs> don't do what I do. Just buy more pillows. I should buy more pillows. I keep forgetting. Head over to pillow. Use promo code CD21 and get up to 66% back. So this is interesting. As we're waiting for um, closing arguments to start, this was a a document I hadn't seen before. But given what's happening in the world, probably important that we talk about. If we put up my screen, Mr. Producer, this is a document from Pfizer talking about um, their vaccine. And there's a little bit there where it says, the number of participants in the current clinical development program is too small to detect any potential risk of myocarditis associated with vaccination long term safety of covid-19 vaccine in participants 5 to 12 years of age will be studied in five post authorization safety studies including a 5 year follow up study to evaluate long term um the long term danger of post vaccination myocarditis or pericarditis so this is a confession a admission from pfizer from the fda that it is not possible they need five years to determine whether or not this is causing heart damage in children, and they're just going to do it and and just go with it. So when you look at California mandating, they said that they're going to mandate this vaccine for children. California is turning into the, the children. They want their children to be the guinea pigs, the lab rats. They want them to basically be the study. I mean, it's, it's like what Israel did, but as a whole country. That's what the left Wants to do with this vaccine for children? It is evil. They admit that they cannot, they cannot tell you whether it is safe or not for children until they study it for five years. So why are they already putting it into children's arms? Why? Because they don't care. They don't care. And I'm looking up. There was a there was a country. Uh, there was a country that that pumped the brakes. Taiwan. Taiwan. Taiwan suspended and paused the second doses of, um, of the COVID vaccine for 12 to 17-year-olds over heart inflammation. So they paused it. We saw that also there was a pause in Germany. Everywhere around, everywhere around the world, they're pausing it. They're, they're starting to say, hey, wait a minute, let's not kill all of our kids. But here in the United States, Big Pharma, the left, they are controlling the narrative. And if you dare go against them, you are labeled misinformation and you are silenced You are are silenced and punished. Ricky Bobby says, Max, did you hear that Beto is running for governor of Texas? I did hear that Robert Francis O'Rourke is now going to run for governor of Texas. I did see that. And so I don't think he wins. I don't think it's going to even be close. Um, You don't have nearly as controversial a candidate as Ted Cruz or Donald Trump. And I like both of them, but... Greg Abbott is no Donald Trump. Greg Abbott is no Ted Cruz. He's not as galvanizing of a figure for moderates and liberals. For conservatives, conservatives really want nothing to do with Greg Abbott these days. So Greg Abbott is running against Alan West, who is the head of the Texas Republican Party. So the only way I could see that Beto O'Rourke could possibly win would be a situation where Alan West won the primary and moderate Republicans voted for Beto. That's the, that's the only thing. And even that is far-fetched. Um, but yeah, Beto, Robert Francis O'Rourke is running for governor in the state of Texas. Um, and it's, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny to, uh, to see liberals, Democrats talk about how they think he has a chance, how they think he has a chance. Well, the judge is, is reading some more. So let's, why don't we go back to the video, Mr. Producer, and listen in, and, and then we'll jump back in and explain as necessary.
1: And would have caused the death of another human being except for the intervention of another person or some other extraneous fact. The third element is that the defendant did not reasonably believe that he was preventing or terminating an unlawful interference with his own person and, or did not reasonably believe that the force used was necessary to prevent imminent death or great bodily harm to himself. You have already been instructed on the definitions of intent to kill unequivocally another person and extraneous factor. The same definitions apply to your consideration of attempted second degree intentional homicide. The third element of attempted second degree intentional homicide requires that the defendant did not reasonably believe that he was... Preventing or terminating an unlawful interference with his own person or did not reasonably believe that the force used was necessary to prevent imminent death or great bodily harm. So I'm going ch- to so chime in here and just explain, the state if we turn it down a little bit, explain what he's talking about. Follow. So First, the,
0: on the uh, issues of, the, of, of the, defender, the murder charges, would not have he's basically he giving them three elements that must be met. For it to be murder, right? We're listening, and he's saying like he or has to uh, have killed them and the and not cared about it, right? It had to be premeditated, so they the had to find all three of those, and they the uh, have to find the to find that he was not privileged to, to use self-defense. To the Otherwise, the instructions require that the them acquit. So that's kind of why this is so long, and and we want this to be a long process. Ultimately, we don't want it so long that the jury zones out but we do want this to be long and exhaustive because this kid's life is on the line right now. You can't just give it to the jury and say, go go for it. Because remember, the jury is just made up of an average collection of of Kenosha area residents. They are not smarter than average. They are just average. So you need to do everything you can to explain everything to them. Let's listen in. the
1: defendant intended to kill and would have killed another except for the intervention of another person or some other extraneous factor and that the defendant did not reasonably believe that his, that he was preventing or terminating an unlawful interference with his own person or did not reasonably believe that the force used was necessary to prevent imminent death or great bodily harm to himself. You should find the defendant guilty of attempted second degree intentional homicide. If you are not so satisfied beyond a reasonable doubt. That the defendant is guilty of attempted first or second degree intentional homicide. You must determine whether the defendant is guilty of the lesser included offense of first degree reckless endangering safety, recklessly endangering safety. As defined in the criminal code, which is a lesser included offense of attempted first and second degree intentional homicide.
0: So why we turn? Why we turn it way down? And I'm going to mention. I'm going to mention that. They, as I said earlier, they did throw out the gun charge. So the gun possession charge is now off the table. They did; The judge did also dismiss the curfew violation charge. So that's off the table. So the only lesser charges that exist now all stem from Kyle Rittenhouse taking the stand. I will say that again. The lesser charges that the prosecution was able to introduce... The only reason they were able to introduce those charges is because Kyle Rittenhouse took the stand and gave testimony that supports it. That's something that I have been very afraid of and I was I was saying it then I was saying that I I was very nervous about Kyle Rittenhouse taking the stand and he he shouldn't have. He really shouldn't have. But on like on the issue of reckless endangerment. Reckless endangerment now is on the table because Kyle Rittenhouse said he didn't know the gun's capability, he didn't know the bullets capability and he didn't realize. I mean, that is not on the table. Did the prosecution prove it beyond a reasonable doubt? Probably not. I don't think so. But they're a hell of a lot closer now after Kyle Rittenhouse took the stand than they were before. They're also having – they're also making some of these charges, some of these arguments because they're dealing with provocation. Provocation. That's something that we explained. Wisconsin statute still allows a (laughs) provocateur – uh, Wisconsin statutes still allow provocateur to have self-defense rights if, after provoking an argument, they try to flee and can no longer flee, which even if Kyle Renhouse did provoke uh, Rosenbaum, he still tried to flee afterwards, right? So just because you you get into an argument with someone, you start something, doesn't mean that that person is given the right to kill you indefinitely. If you run away and that person pursues you, then it's a new interaction. But this is all much more complicated, Right. You're asking the jury to understand pretty complex matters of, of law, when they wouldn't have needed to if Kyle Rittenhouse didn't take the stand, and and the defense. I'm still kind of shocked that they didn't object to as many of the different uh, lesser charges. They should have objected much, much more. So I, I I'm really concerned that the jury, feeling the pressure from outside groups from the left, might try to as it were, split the baby might try to deliver a lesser charge as a feel good charge. It's like, Oh yeah, well, he obviously didn't kill anyone, but he shouldn't have been there. So let's put him away for something. That's what I'm really concerned about. And when you allow these lower charges to go in, right? (laughs) It gives the jury the ability to have a feel good verdict. Yeah. He's innocent on everything. Oh, why don't we turn it up? I, th- I think we're, or I think we're going to be starting. Let's turn up the volume, Mister Producer. Oh no, they're having a sidebar, so they just turned the, they just turn the volume off. I missed that whole bit. Um, do we know that, what that was about, Mister Producer?
1: Uh, not hundred percent
2: sure. I had it turned down so that we could hear you.
0: Okay, so, so obviously there's been an objection. It sounds like. I believe so. It sounds like there's been an objection, and there's now a sidebar.
1: Yeah, it looks like they're having a sidebar. Um,
2: It looks like the defense is very confident.
0: (laughs) That's entirely possible. I'm rewinding and just listening to it right now. I don't hear anything. So if there were any objections, it happened with the mics turned off.
1: Yeah, I, think, I don't know what just happened. I, I'm not 100% sure either. He was just kind of going through the letter of the law.
0: That's it, It's kind of weird seeing the defense and the prosecution just kind of sitting next to each other. <laughs> Standing next to each other here. Um, <laughs> so, the, the jokes going on on social media are that the prosecutor, Binger, looks like Littlefinger. If you've ever watched... If you if you've ever watched uh, Game of Thrones, he looks just like Littlefinger, and the other assistant district attorney looks like Drew Carey. So the joke is that it's it's Littlefinger and Drew Carey who are prosecuting this case. I think that that's pretty accurate. Um, the judge seems to have initiated the sidebar. Um, it wasn't it wasn't an objection. The judge has initiated, so we don't know what why the judge is doing this. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Now he send, sending them back. So I guess we'll get an explanation of what this is all about if we turn up the audio, Mr. Producer.
1: The concern that I have, and I, you know, I've I worked with the instructions uh, all weekend. And uh, we discuss them by email. And uh, then I'm reading them. Uh, and little things are striking me as I read them. Um, but the jurors are never told to actually discuss self-defense and sec- Except in the context of charged offenses, and what I was about to say to the jury, and decided I better talk to you people beforehand, is if the jury gets into a discussion of uh, of uh, first of a charged offense, any charged offense, but let's use this one as an example, Um, and they decide that he's the elements are there and he wasn't acting lawfully in self-defense, they're done. They or never or they support. never discuss the lessers. What?
2: Was or was not acting lawfully in self defense. What well let's say, say
1: if they decide the elements are there but he was was uh, not acting lawfully in self defense, they're done. Then they find him guilty of the charged crime. What if they if they discuss count one or count five I should say? And decide that the elements are there, but they all decide it was privileged under the law of self-defense. They're not. Is there anywhere that they're being told? Are they being told? You're done. See, yeah. under the old w- law, we did do that. Is that in here? Where is it saying that? It, yeah, that's what I used to construct these from scratch. And we were. I would tell the jury what, uh, which I was just doing now, that you know, once you have. Exhausted this, you're done. Uh, as opposed to having them needlessly go through these lessors if they've already concluded uh, that, uh, and, and this is a case where this could happen. I'm not saying it should or would. I'm saying it could. That they would decide. Well, yeah, the elements are there, and then they make a decision. And if all of them say, well, they all vote not guilty on the basis of of uh, valid self-defense, then they have Really should not be considering lesser included. Am I right or wrong about that?
2: So if they find perfect self-defense on the charged count, yeah, they should be told. You see, see what, what this? I mean, it's, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I understand where the court's coming from. I guess they could consider the other ones in 30 seconds and just find
1: well, go down
2: to be not guilty, I, but.
1: They're so complicated as it is. No, I understand. I, understand. I feel, I just, I, I feel terrible about giving this kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's just so, well, anyway, um, you don't know, see what the, what the, what the, what the, the instruction is telling them that kind of cryptically, um, it says if after it, it tells them if after a full discussion.
0: So if we turn it down, basically what he's saying is that if they were to convict him on the main one and find that there was no self defense, they wouldn't then consider the lessers. But the inverse is impossible. If if they throw out the lesser, if the jury acquits on the lesser and says that there's self defense, there's no instructions for them to then throw out the rest. So the, the instructions are a little bit vague and the instructions are 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 put in a way that would not be very good for Kyle Rittenhouse. So he he's trying to figure yeah. out if he should rewrite says, them. However, this is a mess. After a full and complete
1: consideration of the evidence, you conclude that further deliberation would not result in unanimous agreement on the charge of second-degree intentional homicide. I'm going back to a different count. You should consider whether the defendant is guilty. So it is telling them, it is telling them. Yeah, I, I just think it's kind of unclear. I
2: think it's very unclear. I mean, what you're saying is the law they all agree that the elements are met and there's a privilege, you don't go any further.
0: Uh, Pardon me? Oh, so that's interesting.
2: Pattern instruction makes that clear enough. If, if they can unanimously agree, which includes the privilege, they're done. They don't have to go forward. They where did, going. Where does it use?
1: So, what's the
0: point of the lesser's? It says you should make every reasonable effort to agree Uh, unanimously on the charge of
1: second degree. So
0: this is this is an important point. The prosecution just says that if they find him not guilty of count one because he he was privileged to use self defense, they shouldn't look at the lessers. Then what's the point of the lessers? When they're going count one first and then they go down. What's the point of the lessers? The whole point of the lessers are from the prosecution standpoint is that if they don't if he doesn't get convicted on the murder charges, that there's something the jury can go go to. This is so confusing. Let's go back to it.
1: Is trying to make things unclear, but...
2: I think, I think one can say that about all 30-some pages of the...
1: Don't do that. People will find out our lawyer's secret. Um,
2: oh. I, I think it's clear in, in the instructions. If the court did wish to make it clear, I would just say, just explain if you're unanimous either way on... Yeah. The first count, there's no need to go to the lessers. Yeah,
1: I think that's a good way to do it. I think I'll tell them that in any sequence, if there are lessers submitted to them, once they've discussed the highest count, if they are unanimous either way, uh, then they're done. Does that make sense? No, Mr. Binger is having a problem with that, and let's see where he is. Of
0: course Mr. Binger has a problem with that.
1: I actually, I, I don't like the way I said that
0: either. AZ Vicky says, is the jury uh, in the room now? No, the jury's not in the room. They wouldn't be talking like this with the jury in the room. Um, that, that would be terrible if the jury was in the room. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure the jury's out of the room. So basically, the only way the lessers could get Could get a conviction is if they are deadlocked on the the higher charges and go to the lessers as a form to break the deadlock. If they are unanimous on any of the murder counts, then the lesser charges aren't considered. So the only way they would get to them is if they couldn't actually reach a verdict on murder and then said, okay, well, let's table this and let's talk about these other counts. That's the only way they get to it. The way that the instructions are a little vague is
2: the, How about this? the instructions
0: in aren't really written where, from a self-defense point of view. Okay, let's listen. Where there are
1: multiple verdicts submitted to you. If at any point in your deliberations you are unanimous either as to both the elements, the presence or absence of the elements of the crime, and the presence or absence of the right of
2: self-defense,
0: this is too complicated.
2: You need going no further
0: it's too complicated the
2: reason the reason i was shaking my head Your Honor, is because let's take um anthony huber's counts for example <clears throat> if the jury is unanimous that he is guilty of first-degree intentional mm-hmm. homicide they go no further right but if they are unanimous that he's not guilty of first-degree intentional homicide then they are instructed to consider second degree intentional homicide only if they're not satisfied that it was done in self-defense
1: if they, for example, if they had, if in your example, if they discussed it and said, well, sure, the elements of, of attempt murder are there. Um, and then they go around the table and they say, well, we all think it's, uh, it's not self-defense, then guilty. If they all say, we don't think it's, well, actually, if they all say, we don't think it's self-defense, then it's not guilty. And what the jury is being told is if you can't agree unanimously, then consider these lessers. But I don't think it's so clear as it should be.
2: It's as if you are not so satisfied. I know it. Um, well, that's at the very
0: end. So this yeah. is insane. I think what this the court was originally proposing is already telling started the jury re- being instructed. That if
2: you're unanimous on the charge count one way or the other, then you go no further. I like that. That's not, that's not the law. If you're
1: unanimous on
2: so for example know you um,
1: if you're na- unanimous on the legal question intentional well you're right because it could be an elements issue the jury maybe the constructions committee is right I don't know the, the jury only
2: are. goes to lesser included if they are either unable to agree on the charge count or if they're unanimous not guilty on the charge count then they go to the lesser included so there is no requirement that they be unanimous on the charge count to move to the lesser. No, they
1: shouldn't be unanimous. If they're not, if they're unanimous, yeah, if they're unanimous, then. So they're what, done. what Binger is arguing, them, but I don't know how to say it,
0: is that if they true. find because him not guilty homicide, for self-defense, they should keep trying to convict him. What point
2: them. is that the defendant either the elements aren't met, or the defendant actually believed that deadly force was necessary. They would still then have to consider the secondary intentional because it changes the self-defense into the objective, reasonable one. So they can be unanimous on count one, let's take Huber for example, they can be unanimous on uh, the first-degree intentional homicide, they can be unanimous on that, and in in the defendant's favor, but they still have to then move to the second element, or to the the lesser included.
1: You might be right. Perfect self-defense.
2: Pardon me? If they, if it's perfect self-defense, it's perfect self-defense for everything. But they're not told to consider perfect self-defense on first-degree intentional homicide. They're specifically told. It's fine. Well, yeah,
1: you're right. He's right. He's right.
2: They're not told to consider that until second-degree intentional homicide. The instructions, Your Honor, are the pattern instructions. I understand your point that they, if we had to redraft them today from scratch, maybe we could do better. I but we I, I, we, I'm sure we could. But we need to follow them. And I don't you know, think deviation is appropriate. You're
1: right. I think you're right. It, uh, and uh, they are certainly correct in what they say. I just think that they're not clear. But maybe maybe they are. I don't know.
0: That, that's the issue. Now well, let's see how much damage I've done
1: already by my last paragraph. So can you go back to what the last thing I said to the jury?
0: Uh, let's go ahead and, and, t- and take this down. Go back to full screen. So we're almost out of time here, Um, and I'm going to try and come on later when they actually have the closing arguments. What you just heard was actually kind of stunning, and it's probably technically correct, but it's the notion that when you have a first-degree murder charge, that the jury is not instructed to consider perfect (sighs) self-defense. This is a mess, And, and that never should have happened. That's why you have the, the the hearing and you consider objections before the jury's brought in the room. You just had the jury get instructions, had the judge stop because as he's reading his own instructions, he's thinking about something. So he sends them out of the room. He talks to the, talks to the prosecution and defense and ultimately nothing changes. So if you're a juror who's already starting to kind of zone out, it's not going to – it doesn't help. This all should have been handled way before. Now they're basically going to start in the middle of an instruction, in the middle of a paragraph. That should have happened long before the jury was ever in the room. But it, it kind of shows how how kind of le- – they're talking in legalese. Like, like, oh, well, you have to consider all this. The jury doesn't think that way. They're instructed to think that way, but they're not thinking that way. If they, if they naturally thought that way, they'd already be lawyers, right? So – uh, that, I, I still think Kyle Rittenhouse is going gonna, is gonna to get off, but the prosecution is going to do everything they can to make sure that the lesser charges are considered. Going to take a real quick break and remind you, this podcast is also sponsored by Liberty Cigars. Liberty Cigars is a fine American company that, that gives you a fine product. LibertyCigars.com, when you use promo code free B-E-F-R-E-E, at LibertyCigars.com, you're going to get a free Patrick Henry cigar. On all orders over seventy six dollars, it's common sense. If you're looking for the perfect gift for a history buff this holiday season, look no further than Liberty Cigars. They have great historically themed cigars, the President Series, Founder Series. I, I I like to read history, and it's interesting when uh when when George Washington was begging was begging the Continental Congress for money was be, was uh was begging them for money. He told them, hey, if you can't send money at least could you please send tobacco which i think that's a great that's a, <laughs> that's a great way of thinking as we get into the holiday season don't give them just cash don't give them a gift card get them fine liberty cigars by going to libertycigars.com and using promo code be free so there's going to be a lot more jury instructions so I don't want to play that. It, it's it's boring. But you can see the fights. You can see the fights in the instruction because this kid's life is on the line, and even the slightest mistake in word choice could lead to a guilty verdict if the jury can't understand what they're being asked asked to do. So we're going to stay watching this, and when the when the uh, the closing arguments start, we're going to probably go live. Uh, we might go live a little late and 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 chime in, but. I do want to cover that at least as it relates to the defense. Um, so make sure you tune in for that. But until then, that's going to be it for this edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. If you like the podcast, you got to subscribe everywhere, all the different places we go live, all the different audio place, all audio uh, platforms. The link is in the description. All those links are in the description. Please do check them out. If you need a little help reminding you that we go live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern, you can sign up for our text alert system by texting the word FREEDOM, F-R-E-E-D-O-M, to 89517. You'll get a text alert telling you what we're talking about that day and how, when, and where you can listen or watch. So make sure you do that. That's going to be it for this edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our country is not over yet. But the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together.